Welcome to Great Minds, and our guest today is a returning, well, you're not really a returning guest, but it's our return, our reunion. Uh, Dominique Murphy, who is a three-time Emmy Award winner. She's a producer, a founder. She's the reigning Mrs. Virginia America. Is that right? Actually, 2020, Mrs. Virginia American. Yeah. Okay, I was very close there. You're close. Very close. And she was our extraordinary host on the Amazon ads live stage at Advertising Week in October. Did a fabulous job putting in long hours. God knows how many interviews you did for us. She also is the founder of something called The Right Method, which we're going to talk about, and is a real entrepreneur, a force of nature. We got a chance to do a wrap-up interview at the conclusion of Advertising Week back in October at Essex Crossing and sort of hit it off and said we should have a follow-up conversation and why not do it in the form of great minds. So a really, really heartfelt welcome. I'm delighted to get a chance to see you and to talk to you today, Dominique. Oh, Lord Schechner. Can I call you Lord Schechner? You've earned that title, please, my friend. Call, call me Matt, please. Okay, it's, Matt. It's, it's, all, it's one series of embarrassments after another. So, well, you're a superstar and I'm honored to be here. So thank oh, you for that beautiful intro and thank you for having me on Great Minds. It's fantastic. So you've had a really interesting uh, journey and have done a lot of stuff on the air around the country as an anchor. Uh, and I'd love to go back all the way back to early days and talk about uh, your tenure working as an anchor where you began. I know you had a tenure in Cleveland, you've been in all over Virginia, but let's go back and how you sort of got into that. Uh, you had a tenure with Sinclair, I guess, also hopefully before they went completely right wing crazy uh, <laughs> and uh, oh, left wing crazy for that matter. But let's talk about that journey and early days working as an anchor. Absolutely. So you and I have a lot of synergies. So before I got into television, it's important to tell this story first. So it makes sense. I was always that kid who was the, the ham during the holidays, right? I was the, the little girl who always had a show to put on or wanted to sing or dance. And so I grew up as a thespian. So for those of you who don't know the term, that means a person who loves theater, someone who's very involved in the arts. So that was my start. And I knew I wanted something in that field. My father at the time was a high school administrator. And every now and then, certain camps and workshops, the founders or the CEOs would stop by the school and say, hey, I have this camp and let us know if you have any great students who would qualify for X, Y, and Z. So one year, there was a woman by the name of Linda McDonald who brought a flyer called uh, for a program called the Urban Journalism Workshop based in Minnesota, which is where I'm from. And so my dad brought that flyer home one day and said, Dominique, I think you'd be great at this. I said, what is it? He goes, journalism. I go, what's that? I was 12 at the time. He goes, well, it's, it's, a, it's a path where you get to communicate and talk and share stories and meet people and everything that you like is really kind of what this is. So at the time, I had no interest. I had zero interest. I was like, journalism? Mm, if it's not theater or modeling or being a wedding planner, I just don't have any interest in it. So he said, come on, Dominique, just, just apply. I said, okay. 
filled out the application five minutes, popped that baby in the mail. Two weeks later, got a letter from the urban journalism workshop. And I remember going to the mailbox and feeling so excited, like, oh, here's my acceptance letter. I'm going to start this thing called journalism and let's see what it's all about. Opened the letter and the first line read, dear Dominique, unfortunately, you have not been accepted into the urban journalism workshop. It's the first time in my life, Matt, that I can remember feeling what felt like at the time rejection. And I thought, what? I didn't get in. Why? Like, what did I do wrong? So I took the letter to my dad. I said, hey, dad, um, I did not get in. And he looked at me with just the warmest glance. And he said, well, did you apply yourself? I said, no. And he said, how do you expect to achieve anything in life if you don't apply yourself? And so that was one of the most transformational moments of my life. At the age of 12, I came to the realization that if I want to be successful, whatever that definition was to me, I had to actually apply myself. I liken it to a fireplace, right? A lot of people look at a fireplace and they have the mindset of give me heat and then I'll add the wood. But the reality is you have to put the wood in first. You have to put the effort in first and then the heat is inevitable. So that's how it got started. Went to college at the University of Missouri, uh, worked in markets all over the country. Before college, I hosted a show called Whatever, similar to Entertainment Tonight for Kids. And that was my initial start. Then every camp, workshop, fellowship I could get my hands on, I did it. I did not come from a family with a lot of money. So I had to learn to figure out the way. And that's what happened. And early on, you scored some pretty good interviews on, was that the whatever show? Oh, yeah. On the whatever show. That was my very first show. Yeah. All kinds of celebrity. Ice Cube and many others. And you were pretty young at that time. I I got on whatever when I was 14, 14. Yeah. 14 to 18. So I did it for four years before I went on to college. Oh, my gosh. And you end up getting a degree in journalism. Yes. Broadcast journalism. And you have a a tremendous entrepreneurial spirit. You are a hard-driving, hard-driving leader. Talk about where that comes from. Does that come from your dad? Yeah, it comes from my dad. My dad was always an entrepreneur slash employee. (laughs) So he was always the person who, although he was working a nine-to-five, which is admirable, he always had this grit and grace about him to be an entrepreneur. So my parents, and they still do this, they have a business where they work in wellness and they create homeopathic products. So essential oils and homeopathic soaps and oils and skincare and hair care products. So all natural health products from shea butter and natural ingredients like that. So growing up, I was always around it. I would always, um, on Saturdays and Sundays, my dad would go to the farmer's market and we would sell the products that we, you know, manufactured that we had. And so from goodness, 12 years old, I was waking up at four 30 in the morning, going on a Saturday on like what most kids don't want to do. Right. I was up with my dad and we would be at the farmer's market setting up every day, the weekend setting up each day and tearing down. And I learned the art of persuasion, the art of sales, the art of communications, the art of just stickability. And that's all from my dad. Yeah. And, and, and hard work. Yes. Yes. So you graduate from school and you end up back on the air as an anchor. That's correct. 
So I worked in uh, uh, Central Virginia was my first job out of college. Then from there, I went to Cleveland. I was the television host for a show called The Now in Cleveland. It was a four o'clock, one hour show. From there, I went to Kansas City. I was the main evening news anchor at the number one station there in Kansas City. And then I said, I'm going to be an entrepreneur full tilt. I want to take control of my life fully. And I knew where I wanted my life to go. Um, years ago, I had a chance to interview Brian Tracy, the great Brian Tracy. And he said something to me that just resonated so, 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 so much. And he said, your success is your own responsibility. And I love that because so often in this world, we as a culture, as a, as a human race, we want to blame other people for our circumstances. Well, I didn't get this because I didn't get the raise or they held me back or whatever, whatever, right? That's all, it's all fiction. And so when he said that your success is your own responsibility, I thought, okay, what do I really want in this world? And how do I then strategically build a plan and a blueprint to achieve it? Fantastic stuff. And the right method, such an interesting mix of things that you're doing. And it sort of reminds me of one of these, you know, five-star hotel buffets where you can get Chinese food, there's a little steak uh, carving station, an omelet station, a salad station, a fruit station. Y you're helping companies, you're helping governments, you're helping universities, you're helping entrepreneurs capture attention, drive audience, boost sales. And I'm gonna guess as a healthy uh, dollop, we'll stay with the food analogy, of motivation in what you're doing and inspiration. Talk about the ideation, uh, that's a lot of words we're using here, uh, <laughs> of the right method. And because it's a really interesting gumbo of things that you're offering to your clients and doing it quite successfully. Thank you so much. Well, bon appetit. Let's stay on the, on the food trend there. So the right method is a paradox. There is no right method. You have to find what's right for you. And for years and years and years, people were coming to me saying, hey, I want to gain visibility. So essentially, if you look at the right method, and were to, if you were to put one word next to it, it's visibility, elevating individuals, corporations, brands, so that they gain the attention that they need. Because I'm going to give you a formula here. Visibility equals credibility equals profitability. Every person in business is focused on the last thing, as they should. That's why you go into business is to be profitable and to be successful. But you have to focus on visibility if you want to scale effectively and reach greater profits. So visibility, the more visible you are being seen and being heard, makes you more credible. And when you're more credible, people will buy from you. So I, I use the example often of an auto insurance company. And I'll say, hey, think of an auto insurance company, any company out there. And for anyone listening, they probably thought of one in half a second, whether it's Geico, Affleck, State Farm, Farmers, doesn't matter. You thought of a company and I don't work for an auto company. And my assumption, Lord Schechner, is that you don't either. But yet people think of a company and we're not even selling it. The reason why is because subconsciously, we see them everywhere, like they're so visible, whether we're looking at commercials, hearing spots on the radio, getting hit by ads on our social media feed, seeing billboards on buses, et cetera. We're constantly being uh, bombarded, and I mean that in a positive way, by all of these messages. 
So the reason you thought of the auto company you thought about is because they're visible. Now, on that same example, if I was to say, and this is not true, but let's just say I said, I have an auto insurance company, Domes Auto, Domes Auto, right? Now, chances are you would say, that's so cool. That's great. But if the lights and cameras went off and you and I walked away, 99.99999% of the time, you're not going to buy from Domes Auto. And it's not because you don't like me. It's because when you search Domes Auto, you're not going to find anything. So now you have a company who's very credible and you have someone who could be just as good, if not better, but in your mind, they're not credible. So they're not going to get your money. So that's why the right method was created. It's visibility to elevate brands. So to break it down more strategically to your initial question, there are six divisions within the right method. So think of it more like an ecosystem to help someone or company elevate because a one-sided approach is very, very broken. And this is why a lot of companies and individuals, when they hire somebody, they find themselves A, frustrated because they only do one thing, like they only do websites or they only do social media or they only do PR, but they need other elements. There's a thing called no like, and trust. When you get to know a company and like them and trust them, it's very difficult to then say, okay, now I need to find the other piece of my puzzle because you're searching for the right company. You're hoping that they can deliver. And when you're working with multiple companies, you end up as the middleman or middle woman, and you're more of the mediator. And the problem with that is no one takes responsibility. So the person who's doing one thing will say, well, hey, the branding wasn't right. So that's why you don't have ROI. And then the other guy will say, well, hey, you know what? It wasn't me. The messaging wasn't good. So this is why this didn't convert. And it's a lot of back and forth and a lot of hand pointing. So to get rid of all of that mess and those headaches that pretty much every entrepreneur has gone through, the right method was created. There are six divisions within the right method. <clears throat> Excuse me, losing my voice. Six divisions within the right method. So we have public relations, video and photo production. Um, our video and photo production team, collectively, we have 22 Emmy awards. So we love what we do on that side, on all sides, but that side is one of our strongest suits. Um, we have the marketing side. We have social media, executive presence, and communications. So no matter what you're looking for, we definitely have anyone covered. Okay, so we're going to dig in deeper, but let's talk about the decision that you made. You had a successful career going as an anchor. You're in big markets. You're on the air, you're winning Emmy awards. There's a lot that's going right. And you make a decision to go in a different direction. We talked earlier about that entrepreneurial spirit, but that's a pretty brave leap to go from a sure thing, guaranteed pretty good paycheck to starting your own business. It was horrifying. <laughs> I'm just gonna call it what it is. It was the scariest, one of the probably top three scariest things I've done in my life. And it's even scarier when you're kind of feeling like you're in this ocean by yourself doing it. Because many people were saying to me, they didn't understand it. They were like, wait, what? You're gonna leave a career that people would kill for? Like, why? What if it fails? What if you, know, you don't make it? What's gonna happen with your health insurance? What if you get sick? What if, what if, what if, well, you know? Can you get the, you're probably not going to get back in the industry. 
And so that information, full story, seven years prior, I tried to do it and I couldn't. And I thought, oh, they're right. Let me go back in. I even had someone tell me, true story. They said, that's irresponsible. Why would you do that? Well, seven years later, I was ready. And I tell anyone out there who wants to be an entrepreneur, you have to know it within like the cells of your body. Because if you think you want to be an entrepreneur, you'll never be an entrepreneur. Sorry to tell you, you won't. Like, I think it sounds fun. I think I want to. It won't happen. Because there is so much grit, grace, and just sweat equity that goes into it, that if you don't have that stickability to to withhold storms, then it just doesn't happen. Because a lot of what we see in, in the world of marketing today is like, oh, entrepreneurialism. Just grab a laptop and move to Bora Bora and make millions of dollars. And Matt, you and I both know that's not how it works, right? Now, when you grow a successful career and you, you know, you've made something, then you can do whatever you want. But when you're starting a company, there is a lot of uh, heartache. There is a lot of learning. There are a lot of quote unquote failures. And I say that in quotes because I don't believe in the word failure. I think every failure is a badge of honor and it's an opportunity and a lesson to get better if you're paying attention. So it's been about 10 years since you launched The Right Method. 2013. So give us your review. We're doing a 10 year review of The Right Method. Hits, misses things that work better than you thought they would, things that maybe didn't go as yeah. well as you had hoped. Give us a 10-year sort of state of the union of the right I love path. it. Okay. I've never been asked that before. Okay. So hits, misses, wins, et cetera. So what the, the greatest lessons that I have learned when I first became an entrepreneur was number one, vulnerability is a beautiful thing because I did not have it because I was so afraid that people would see someone who was just starting in this space. So I, I put up all these walls like, oh, I know what I'm doing. I got it, I got it. And I did not have it. I had no idea what I was doing. I was buying a book and highlighting a chapter thinking that I understand, understood how business truly worked, how networking worked, how relationship building worked, how leadership worked. I had no idea. So. Number one for me was realizing that being vulnerable is, is a superpower. Being able to say, I don't know. I have no idea. Can I work with you? Can you help me? Things like that are a superpower. Number two, the ability to ask. I That kind of falls into the first one a little bit, but you have to be able to ask when you need help and ask good questions, right? So don't just talk to talk, but ask good questions. So if you have an opportunity to be in the right room or the right circle, don't shine or excuse me, don't dim your light, but rather have the questions ready and be prepared. The third thing would be just that. I always like to be five steps ahead. Because oftentimes, and I use the analogy of a train, you have to be ready. So when the train shows up, you jump on. What happens with a lot of entrepreneurs when they're first starting out is they're like, oh, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. And then the train shows up and the train could be anything. It could be the person that they've been wanting to speak to. It could be the opportunity. It could be anything, but they're not ready when it happens. And so they're running behind the train, trying to chase it. And we all know you can't outrun a train, can't even catch a train <laughs> when it's going. So being 
five steps ahead. Understanding where you're going. I'm a huge fan of Earl Nightingale. I love Earl Nightingale. So for anyone who's not familiar, buy the book, The Strangest Secret. You can read it in one hour. It's like phenomenal. You can even get it on audio on YouTube. Just go to The Strangest Secret. But he talks about um, you know, a voyage mapped out and planned. So if you want to be successful, you have to know where you're going. So what is the destination? Where do you want to go? And as novel as that might may sound to many people, very few people have that on the tip of their tongue. If you say, what do you want specifically? Most people are like, what? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I want to be happy. What does that mean? I want more money. Okay, here's a dime. You now have more money than you had when we first started this conversation. Well, that's not what I mean. Well, what do you mean? So it's getting very granular of what is it? What is it? The thing that sets your soul on fire, what is it? And why do you care? But Earl Nightingale talks about the destination. When you know where you're going, it's a lot easier to get there because you know where you're going. You have direction. When you do not know, it's like taking a ship and starting the engine and letting it go. And he says the ship will either sink or end up on a deserted beach, a derelict, because it has no direction, no aiming point, no captain. It's just just floating. And that's what happens so many times with us as, as humans. We have no plan. We just think we want more, but we don't even know what it is that we want. So that was a great lesson for, for me with the right method with business was understanding what is the thing and how do you strategically get there? Um, with the six divisions, here's another lesson. When you start a company, pick one lane and get really good at it. Because when entrepreneurs first start, oftentimes you'll hear, they're like, I want to sell dog treats and I want to make green juice and I want to make basketball shoes and I want to... Uh, create a CPA agency. And there's like so many things and they don't even talk to each other. They're very different brands, like completely different brands. When we look at Nike or any of the greatest companies ever, Nike was not what we see today as Nike. They started out with one product and they mastered that product. And once they could do that with their eyes closed and they added on more product and more product and more product. And now we have what we have today, which is the brand Nike, but it didn't happen that way. And so step one is figuring out what is the thing that you're really, really good at. So with the right method, it originally started out as just a PR agency, public relations. It was just appearances, period, was just appearances. Then it scaled in the PR agency from appearances to reputation management to crisis communications. So the whole scope of PR. Once we had that as a well-oiled machine, we added on video and photo production, right? And once we grew and scaled that, we added on marketing and so on and so on and so on. So it wasn't like the Band-Aid was ripped off and there were six divisions right away. No, 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 no. It was a well-thought-out strategic process because the pain point that we heard over and over and over again was that, oh, I, I'm so frustrated. This company does one thing and now I have to try to find this other company and I can't figure out the right company. And you hear people use the word right a lot. I want to find the right business, the right company, the right, the right, the right. And people struggle with that. So the solution to the problem was, wouldn't it be great if there was an ecosystem that has six divisions that are all the divisions people need to gain visibility? 
Because again, the right method is a paradox. There is no right method. So you have to have a customized approach. So the thought of thinking that a package is going to work for everybody, completely flawed model, because what works for me will not work for you, Matt. We might be the same on 99.991% of things, but we're always going to differ on something. That's every human on the planet. So the key is having a customized approach because a client who comes in might say, I need appearances and I need social media. Okay. Two facets within a giant ecosystem. Someone else might come in and say, you know what? I just want to tell my story more effectively. I don't want to be in the media. I just want to tell my story effectively. So when I get in front of investors, I know how to speak and sound like I know what I'm talking about, right? Everyone's completely different. And so that is the 10-year the scope of what where we were, mistakes we've made, and where we are today. If we're looking in our right method crystal ball, and we're going to do this again, and we're going to be talking about the 20th anniversary of the right method, what will be the same and what will be different? Oh, that's such a great question. What will be the same and what will be different? The same will be the philosophy of an elevated client experience. When I created the method, the right method, one of the top three things for me was making sure we had a brand that was not like most of the companies out there. I didn't want people to feel like a number or like their, their story did not matter. Like they were just one of many in a sea of people. Like that was very, very important to me that every person who came through the right method felt like, wow, I'm seen, I'm heard, they get me. So I never want to get to a point where we lose that right method touch, where we're just shelling things out. Like for me, it's about quality, not quantity. And that's never going to change. That's really, really big for me. So that's where we'll still be. What will be different? Goodness, you know, uh, life, life is hard to predict. I don't really know what will be different. Um, is there a seventh or eighth lane that you can, that you've thought about that you think you might like to open up? No. Okay. That's a great answer. Yeah, I'm not, no, I'm not, I'm not no, fishing for something you know, and, that isn't no, 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 there. I appreciate it. I've never actually asked. I, I love thought provoking questions and you're brilliant. Cause usually I get asked the same, like seven questions every single interview. And this is like so good. Um, so yeah, I, as of today, like today's day, like what am I thinking? I envision, I envision keeping it. I don't envision like an eighth lane or a, a 12th lane. I really don't Now, Ask me in a year. I might be like, yeah, I got 15 lanes now, but you know, right now I don't envision that. I think we have, um, a really solid model. Sometimes when you have too much, there's a, there's a saying something for everyone is nothing for no one. And I never want to get so, so watered down that there's so many divisions that A, people are confused because confused minds don't buy or B, that the product gets watered down. So okay. yeah, that's, those will be my thoughts today. Okay. All right. I, I, I all good answers. Uh, it's hard to ask a professional interviewer good questions. So we're, <laughs> we're, we're struggling mightily to keep up here. Uh, you help others with visibility and building their brands. I know you still do a lot of appearances on TV. I think you were just in New York on the Today Show. Talk about how you build your brand and how you grow the right method and you know your own strategy, if you will, 
for visibility for yourself. Absolutely. Okay. So everyone that I work with, who's an individual, I always say my recommendation is have a personal brand and then have your company brand. I think it's very important to separate the two. And the reason why is you should stand on your own without being synonymous with a brand. And here's the thing, life changes. So you might be in an industry right now, let's say you're in the industry of, of health and fitness, but then in five years, you're like, you know what? I don't really like this anymore. I really want to go into the world of gaming. They don't really go together. Well, my whole brand is that I'm a juicer. So how do I now become the gamer? How do I switch that brand? The way you do it is because you have a personal brand. So you have yourself as an entity, and then you have your company. Now people will know you're affiliated with the company, but the company is not only exclusively you. So that's one thing that I separated from a, from the very beginning. I said, I want the Dominique brand and then I want the right method. And so the Dominique brand still speaks to the right method because I, I tend to be kind of like a billboard for what I do within the brand, right? So for an individual who's looking for exposure, a lot of times they'll find me personally and say, wow, I really like what she's doing. I want to be doing something similar to that. So I stay very active. I speak on several stages, large, large stages every single year. Some of the top stages, I do a lot of television appearances and that's just, you know, it's, it's, it's a love of mine. And so I always said, when I walked away from local news, I never wanted to lose my identity. I never wanted to just say completely goodbye because I wasn't jaded. I just wanted more for myself. I just wanted more freedom, more, um, more responsibility. I wanted to just be in control of my life, right? Especially being married with kids. I was like, if I want to go away for two weeks, I want to go away for two weeks, you know? And that's not always possible when you are not an entrepreneur. So those are certain things for me that I found very, very important and that I wanted to stand by. So, um, I don't know where I'm going with this, man. I feel like I'm like rambling, but no, not at all. Not at all. So looking back over that 10 years, again, give us a, a I don't want to use the word case study. I, I can't stand those, all those trite expressions and headlines, but a particular client who you work with, where you really were able to have a success with them and, and maybe one that didn't go as well as you had hoped. Sure. I got a lot. Uh, that went well. Uh, I'm trying to think. So we'll do the negative first, then we'll do the positive. I have a lot of positive stories. I'm trying to think of a negative story. You know, it's funny. And this is going to sound like I'm, I'm, I'm BSing you, but I'm not, I don't have any like horror stories or someone who wasn't happy. I always say when I, before I take clients on, I'm interviewing you just like you're interviewing me. So I'm very selective with who I work with because in the world of growth, you both have to like each other. Because it's a win-win when we win, right? And if you don't enjoy time with certain people, it's not worth it. I think that's another lesson to the question earlier for me was that I was like, I want to be an entrepreneur because it's fun for me. I want to help people because I love helping people, but I want to help the right people because that's where I get the joy. That's where I don't mind staying up until 10, 11, midnight, working with someone on something because I, I love it that was important. So I don't have, I don't have a negative story. Um, positive plenty, um, plenty. I, I mean, we can talk individuals, well, we can talk corporations, we can talk degree, degrees of success. Give us, give us a big hit. 
Okay. So let me tell you um, one of my earlier stories. I can tell you more of like a present one. So there was a client who came to me, an individual brand, and she has a, um, we have an NDA. So I'm going to try to say it without people guessing who it is. Um, a makeup line. And she came to me and she said, Hey, I'm really struggling. I'm trying to scale and I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I said, okay, what's your story? She goes, my what? I go, your story. What's your story? And she looked at me and smiled at you. I, I don't know. I said, well, you have to know what's your story. And she named things off of her resume, bullet points for her products and things off her resume. She said, well, we have 25 lipstick shades. They are long lasting. We don't test on animals. They are plant-based. They're this, they're this, they're that. And I said, okay. I said, I'm not going to remember this or you in five minutes. And I said, I don't mean that to be mean. I mean that so I can help you. I said, what's your story? Why do you sell makeup? And she goes, I don't know. I said, you do know. I said, why do you sell makeup? And this is an exercise I take every client that I work with through. It's called the onion exercise where we, we break all the barriers. We have to discover the it, what is it? And what is the why? I said, why do you sell makeup? She goes, I don't know, Dominique. I said, you do know. You could sell toothbrushes, but you chose to sell makeup. So why makeup? Like what about makeup resonates with you? And I'm going to fast forward the story. She's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We started peeling the layers back and long story short, she grew up in a country outside of the USA. And in this country, women were told to play small. Don't, you know, don't speak up, keep your eyes down, do as you're told. Don't talk back, just be quiet. And as a little girl at the age of nine, she loved basketball. <clears throat> she loved the sport of basketball and she loved wearing white t-shirts and jeans. She was a tomboy. And every day, starting at age nine, her father would look at her with a disdain and say, you're so ugly. You look like a boy. You're so ugly. You're so ugly every single day. And unlike most people who would have become a victim, I know at age nine, if my dad was calling me ugly, I would go into victim mentality. Like, I can't believe my dad thinks I'm ugly. Instead of that, at the age of nine, subconsciously, she had the wherewithal to say, you know what? No, I'm not ugly. And I'm going to make it my mission to make sure every woman understands how truly beautiful she is. So she created a movement around beauty. And once we were able to extract the story and stories have to be three things, they have to be memorable, they have to be relatable, and they have to be authentic. You tap on those three, my friend, you have a winning story. And it's memorable because you'll never forget the woman whose dad told her she was ugly just because she liked basketball and jeans and white t-shirts, right? It's relatable because everybody on this planet has been told they are not good enough at some point in their life, right? You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not rich enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not connected enough. You're not tall enough. You're not whatever enough. We've all been told something that is a limited belief. And chances are, We've all accepted it or believed it. That's why most people in this world have self-esteem issues. They have imposter syndrome. So it's relatable and it's authentic because it's uniquely her story and no one can tell it like her. So that was a big win. And I'm sure as you can imagine, once we were able to switch the messaging, we got massive press to her and her brand. She uh, scaled very, very well. Within the first two months, her sales went up 25%. Because people, contrary to popular belief, people don't buy 
products or services. They don't. People by people and people by passion and people and passion are based on story. So I always tell everyone I work with, like the very first thing before we go all into the fancy fun stuff is we have to identify the story because everything, every top company, it's all built around a storyline. Fantastic. And, and, you know, listening to you and, and the passion that you have, you really are almost like a mechanic. You're not just changing somebody's oil or filling their windshield washer fluid. You are opening the hood. You are in the engine. You're getting dirty. You're doing the work. And it's really re-engineering in a lot of ways what you're doing. Uh, and uh, that's a great, that's sort of the metaphor I was looking for. I'm not uh, probing. This is not uh, investigative reports to uh, reveal, reveal uh, uh, you know, client names or breach NDAs. But I, I was looking to really get in there and you just did that brilliantly. So this is uh, absolutely uh, uh, terrific stuff. Tell us what's on the horizon for you for 2023. What can we be looking at for you? Even more growth. I always say, you know, in life, my title is always a student. I never want to have it all figured out. I always want to be a sponge, just learning and growing. So with personally, I just want to keep being better, whatever that means, right? Like I just never want to be closed off. I always want to just have my mind so open to anything and everything. When I was pregnant with my first son, there was a woman at the grocery store, a stranger, and she looked at me and she said, congratulations, your son will become your greatest teacher. And so, and she was right. I didn't understand it at the time, but fast forward, a child changes everything for a parent, right? You become a totally different person. You think differently, you see the world differently. And so for me personally growing, it's not just people who are my senior. It's not people who have, have quote unquote done more. I want to learn from the world from people younger than me, older than me, richer than me, poorer than me, smarter than me. Not, you know, I just want to learn from everyone. And I want to be wide open to, to that and to opportunities. For the right method, I always want to keep growing and scaling. We are so interested in working with more and more individuals and companies, right? Corporations, government institutions, in universities. We've built some really solid relationships over the years and we want to maintain those. And you know, one thing I, I do pride ourselves on is that a lot of our clients come back again and again and again. And that's a credit to our team. You know, it's not, it's not just Dominique, it's, it's the whole brand, the whole team. And we pride ourselves on making sure people know how important they are. So yeah, just growth and, um, continued success. That's, that's the goal. Fantastic. Well, this was such a pleasure, Dominique. I'm really glad that we, uh, had a chance to do this, uh, before everybody heads off and uh, every continued wish for growth and success. You are a real jewel, and I'm, uh, it was a thrill to have a chance to spend some time with you here. Matt, you're such a light. I cannot thank you enough for this opportunity. I wish everyone could see your face. Like You just glow when you speak, and I admire you and everything you've done, and I'm so humbled to be a part of Great Minds. <laughs>